morning, I invite you back to your seats and I invite you to open up your Bibles or turn on your smartphones and go to your YouVersion app as we dig into 1 Samuel chapter 8. We're going to we're gonna hang out in chapter 8 for our entire time today. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible, feel free, just head over to the Welcome Center and we'll, you can grab a Bible there and that is our gift from us to you. You can keep that. But before we dig in, I'd like to say, Justin, I'm a little lost. You're glaring at me there, so I'm going to pick on you. I'm a little lost. I'm a little lost on Sunday service, and I think it's because we don't have a king for our Sunday morning services here at Jericho. And I, I think we should have a king. Yeah, see? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you do when, when, when you want something. You go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you do that? Yeah, 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 we don't want a king. Yeah, so we're, we're going to have a king this morning. Uh, so is there anybody who wants to be king? Anybody? King? Oh, there's, there's a copy of, uh, okay, J- Jared Summer, come up here. You are our new king. Uh, ha- have a seat, O oh, king. Um, yeah, uh, what, what else? Uh, uh, every, every king needs a paper crown. So let's, let's give you a paper crown here, of course, from Burger King. Okay, and uh, do, you, do, you like, do you like pop? What, what type of pop do you want? You like Coke? Okay, here. There you go, King. There's your, there's your Coke. You can, you can put that right there if you want. Oh, wait, that's not going to work. Uh, you have the prestigious seat, uh, but you won't be able to see what's going on. So let's, guys, get out of here. You got to move. Move for our king. No, seriously, get, get out. Move, move back there. Move, 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 move. Okay. We're going to... Guys, we got, we got to do stuff for our king, okay? And this is just one of the things. Okay, we're going to put you... Sorry, I got to push you a little bit more. Okay, are you, are you comfy? I have... Uh, do, you like, do you like barbecue? Or I know you like licorice, so we'll just do that. And how about M&Ms? You like M&Ms? Okay, well, there's... Don't eat those all, I'm sure. Brad will, Brad will kill me and Meg will kill me. But uh, that's okay. Kings get whatever they want. Okay, and... Uh, but salt and vinegar, ketchup, what are you thinking? Salt and vinegar? Well, all right. Give you some salt and vinegar. And uh, I got some Twizzlers here for you. Is there anything else you need, O King? That's it? Okay. Good. Okay, here you go. All right, there you go. Are you comfy? You doing okay? Good. You need anything, you let me know. Okay, okay. Is it, is it okay, O king, if we talk about another king this morning? It's okay? Good, because I would have done it anyway. <laughs> You're just a puppet king. <laughs> We're talking about kings today in our series called Game and Thrones. Last week, uh, if you were here, Pastor Brad introduced us to Samuel. He's a good d- guy. A great guy, actually. And Sammy hears from God with the help of a mentor named Eli. Well, our good prophet, our good judge, continues a long life of service to God, leads people well, brings Israelites, brings them back to God, and through that, God is with the nation of Israel and the Philistines who were... uh, 
a thorn in the side even more. They were just taking over some areas of Israel and making things not nice for the, where they were living. Well, Samuel helped with that. And so that's where we're gonna pick it up in our story. As Samuel's led them well, God's been with them. Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter eight. It says, when Samuel grew old, he appointed his judges, or his sons as judges for Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. Now, we're not going to go into this today, but if you want a cool study, you can look at how the lineage of judges worked. It wasn't actually through a son coming into office. What happened was is that Israel would do evil in the eyes of the Lord. They would be persecuted and taken over by other nations. They would cry out to God and then not the son of the former judge, but the spirit of the Lord would come upon a mighty person to come and lead Israel back to God and towards military victory. It's a great study. You can use it as your dinner talk time. But we're gonna continue. It says, so all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you're old. How'd you like to hear that from a bunch of people all at once? You're old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaken me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. Tell them the fine print, okay? Because it's not, it's not so cool. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will do. And then it goes on to list that he's going to make your sons and daughters work for him. He's going to take your best fields, vineyards, and olive groves. He's going to tax you up the wazoo. And you'll take the best of your servants and your animals. And then in verse 17, it says, and you yourselves will become his slaves. Verse 18, when that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen and the Lord will not answer you in that day. That's food for thought, isn't it? Here's their response. It's one, as I look at the response, it kind of strikes me as a toddler wanting a lolly. If you look at the passage, they say, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we'll be like all the other nations that have lollipops, I mean kings. You, do you kind of hear that? It's working for them. I want it to work for us with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. 
When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Well, God, we're here this morning to hear from you. So Holy Spirit, come and penetrate our hearts. I pray that you take out any, anything that's of me, and I pray that you put onto our hearts your Holy Spirit and the word that you have for us this morning. We want more of you and less of us. And so this morning, speak to us individually, we pray in your name. Amen. Okay, so we have these elders, and they are far from happy campers. They're quite mad at the way things are going, and they have a plan. Now, you might be thinking that they are great elders, you know, handsome, beautiful elders, much like our elders. That's our elders team. But no matter whether you think they're, they're beautiful or handsome like I do, the one thing is for sure is that they're seeking to hear God and they're striving for righteousness. And that's awesome. That's what we want in elders. But unlike this amazing team, and I'm not sucking up here to get more youth budget. I'm just, they are actually amazing. They support us extremely well as pastors and staff. Unlike them though, the Israelite elders were not of the most amazing standing. And we know that at this time in Israel's history, uh, there's a lot of perversion of justice. They pay God lip service and they worship other gods. Now Samuel 7 tells us, 1 Samuel 7 tells us that these Israelites, Samuel kind of reigned them in and they say that they actually put their idols away, which is odd to me that they would put them away and what, bring them out on special occasions? Uh, kind of do it behind closed doors? I still think they're not quite there. And they were sick of the old order. They were sick of this judge system where the judges came and was the salvation of Israel. That's what they thought it was all about. And they said, Sammy, we're sick of this. I mean, come on, bro. We have amazing judges in our history that rescue us, but then they die and we get taken over again. Things go haywire. We get persecuted. We get invaded. We get under duress by other nations. We become enslaved to them. Why is God doing this to us, Sammy? And now it's going to happen all over again because no offense, you're going to kick the bucket soon. You're old. And you left these two numbnut sons to lead us and they're corrupt and they're not doing a good job. No way. We're taking things into our own hands. We know what's good for us. We want a king. Are you getting nervous? You're, you're, you're good? You're good as king? Just making sure. Have you ever so seen somebody do something really, really dumb and you just want to slap them upside the head before they actually do it? They're telling you about their plan and you're like, this is not good. Come on. 
I'm reading this story and I want to just lay into the elders of Israel. Just like lay into them. Sammy, come on, do it, man. Because when I look over the Old Testament, I often find myself, I don't know if you do this, I, I actually cheer for them to actually do what's right. I know the story. I know how it goes down. But every time I read, like, come on, this time, this time. Ah. And, and it gets me down that they wouldn't do this. Well, this is what I, I want Samuel to just like fling some fire down from heaven or do something, you know, a big fireworks display to stop them from doing something really, really stupid. It's times like these that I can feel the emotion that Jesus must have felt when he's talking to the people and he says, you have eyes, but you don't see, and you have ears, but you can't hear. Because elders, I'm going to talk to the elders for a second. You guys can just be a part of the conversation, okay? Elders, smart dudes who are supposed to lead Israel. You got it wrong. You think God just can't take care of Israel, but if you look at Israel's track record, that's not what's happening here. Okay, look back at Joshua. By the, by the way, if, if you don't know these stories, uh, feel free, uh, grab some popcorn, Grab a blanket and, and settle in to a great night of reading as you go through Judges. Uh, you start at Joshua, Judges, Ruth, uh, First and Second Samuel. It's a great read, uh, and you'll have a great time going through it, okay? If you don't know it, that's okay. I'm going to bring up some of these, these guys, though. And so Joshua, where was I? Oh, I was getting angry at Israel, the Israelites. That's where I was. So Israelites, elders, you got this guy named Joshua, and God makes a covenant that if you follow my ways, if, if you follow God's ways, good things will happen. He'll be with you. And if you do evil in the eyes of the Lord and you walk away from God, bad things will happen. And Joshua goes, as for me and my house, I'll follow the Lord. And he leads Israel well and they take the promised land and the walls of Jericho come down. And there are some amazing stories there because God had a hand on them as they went into battle. There's no one I'd rather have fighting for me. It's not because of Joshua either. It's not because he's got this military prowess or this intellect that, that just worked the strategy to take the land. No, it was because Joshua went to God, humbled himself, and, and was with God, and God worked through Joshua in the lives of Israel. But that didn't last. You see, he passes away. And then the elders that are righteous with him pass away. And then Joshua 2.10 says that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord again. Get this. It, it's, it's, this I, I can't even understand. It says they neither knew, that they knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. They completely turned away. And subsequently, they were put under hardship. Nations advanced. God said, my hand's not going to be with you. It's not because God wasn't, doesn't care about you, Israelites. It's because you walked away. So then we get into Judges. And here's the intro to Judges. It comes a little later. It comes in 2.18. 
It says, whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemy as long as the judge lived. This is a leader, a righteous leader that, that acted as an overseer of, of the kingdom. Or sorry, not the kingdom, but uh, of the Israelites. And they followed them. For the Lord had compassion on them as they groaned under those who oppressed and afflicted them, the nations that had taken them over. But when the judge died, the people returned to their ways even more corrupt than those of their fathers, following other gods, serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. And so you have Joshua doing good, and then you have evil, and then you have Othanel, and then you have Ehud, my left-handed man, and then you have evil, and they do what is evil in the eyes of the Lord. Read it. It's just a back and forth thing. Deborah the prophetess, then evil. Jer, evil. Dresfa, evil. It's this vicious cycle, and in the process, they get taken over. They get enslaved. That's the history of Israel, elders, do you get it? We don't come under hardship and get taken over and enslaved for a generation because God walks away from us, but because we walk away from him. Let me say that again. All the brown smelly stuff that hits the fan in Israel doesn't happen because God doesn't care about us. It's because we walk away from God, Israel. And you just don't get it. And you want a king and you think that'll do it. This is what I want Samuel to say to the Israelites and to the elders. But he doesn't. He's feeling rejected, the Bible says. He's seeing that they've kind of rejected, well they have, they've rejected God. They've rejected everything that Samuel's been working to instill values into Israel. Ultimately, there is a serious lack of understanding among the Israelites and the elders about their relationship with God, one that God cherishes, by the way, about what life filled with the Spirit is like, what a nation filled with the Spirit looks like, and they just want a quick fix king so they can conjure up a successful nation. It's working for other nations. It's gonna work for us too, I guess. Makes sense. The only problem is that their decision completely rejects the plan and the way God wanted to have relationship with them. See, this is a huge piece of the puzzle that they're missing. See, God ultimately wants two things, I think, from his children, from us, from Israel. Love God and love others. That's it. That if you could take all, all the words of this book and sum it down into to two statements, it's this. Love God and love others. And you might be saying, Mike, that's a little simplistic, don't you think? There's a lot of words in here could do a short paragraph at least but if you have a problem with that you can take it up with Jesus because that's how he sums it up in Matthew 22 this is what they don't get 
God loves us and he also wants us to love him and he wants us to love others. You don't worship gods and and other idols because it hurts our relationship with our God, our father who loves us very much. You don't steal, you don't lie, you don't gossip, you don't drool on other neighbors' power tools or drool on other neighbors' gaming systems. Why? Because you get it wet and it stops working. Just making sure you're still paying attention. No, we, we don't do these things because it affects our relationship with other people. And God wants us to have healthy relationships with other people. He wants us to interact in a godly, integral way because it's what's best for us. And that's what my boy Samuel was so upset over. The Israelites weren't loving God and they weren't loving each other. They were breaking his commands and they were worshiping other gods. And then here's the kicker. Then they were blaming the God that they weren't even trusting or following. It's like God's on this path going through the forest and they're on this path going the forest and they get lost and they blame God. The Israelites were too busy trying to keep things going to have a plan, Stan. They were grasping for straws at this point when there was a deep-rooted problem that they were unwilling to address. They didn't get that uh, God, it doesn't matter if God works through a prophet, a judge, or a king. It ultimately doesn't matter how he chooses to work. What truly matters is how their hearts are, how their relationship with God is, and how they present that to other people, how they represent God but they were trying for the quick fix. They were trying for the Band-Aid solution on a massive internal injury. So today I have a bit of a metaphor for us to remember what's happening here and it's this. Band-Aids only heal skin deep, but the healer restores it all. Let me say that again. Band-Aids only heal skin deep, the quick fixes that we try to put on situations only cover surface issues. They don't deal with the heart. The healer does that. You tracking me with King? Good? Do you need another Coke? Are you good? Okay. I lived in Calgary, King Jared. And I had a bunch of buddies. And, and we... Uh, we all kind of riled each other up and uh, there was a lot of testosterone flying around <laughs> and uh, we, we like to go just run at trails, whatever. And so we went to Canmore one day and, and we would just, everybody else got their hiking shoes on. We got our running shoes on and we're running and it's probably the fittest I've ever been. And we're running down the trail and we're starting to get bored because that's sometimes what happens with guys. And so we're running, and then we see this, this dry creek bed. We're like, that'd be cool to walk up. Uh, let's run up it. And so we turn, and we run up this creek bed, and it's cool because it leads right up the mountain to the top where we actually wanted to go to kind of see out and overlook. The other trail just kind of went around the bottom of the mountain. 
So we run up this creek bed and we're almost to the top and we see this 12 foot wall of shale, okay? It's, it's not that high and there's lots of places to grab onto. My mom is cringing right now. <laughs> and so we decide it's, it's the only thing stopping us and then there's a plateau at the top to look out. So we go for it. And so I'm reaching and I'm climbing up and I'm the first guy up and I get about halfway up and this is shale. It's really, really sharp. And I grab onto this ledge and it slices my hand between my thumb and my, my pinky area, all that flesh. And in, in that, it was so painful that I lost my grip and I fell. Stranded on a creek bed away from the trail on the side of a mountain. And I fell and I, I got a gash in my leg. And so Buddy takes his shirt off and we rip the shirt and we make a bandage for it and uh, make a bandage for the leg and we head down the mountain and I guess adrenaline was going or something because I thought uh, halfway down, I'm like, oh, I'm feeling pretty good. Let's run again. <laughs> so we started running. And, and we're running down the trail and my buddy looks back at me and he stops and he says, stop. And I look down at my hand and the, the bandage is completely drenched with blood and it's now dripping down my fingers and my legs bleeding and there's a trail of blood behind me. It, sorry to be so gruesome, by the way. So we stopped and we repaired the bandage and that one soaked through, but we finally got to the hospital and I got a whole bunch of stitches Fun times. But if I had never gone to that doctor, if I had never gone to the hospital, if I just used those bandages again and again, what would have happened? I mean, there's some nurses in the house. Could I have bled out? Maybe. Probably. Okay. Comes from a nurse. It could probably bleed out. Glad I went to the doctor. See, that's, that's what the Israelites were trying to do. They were trying to bandage things up on a super big gash that needed medical attention, stitches, antiseptic. They were trying to put a king in place when really what they needed was the healer to come and repair their relationship with him, to restore their souls. Band-aids only heal skin deep, but the healer restores it all. See, the Israelites needed a fix. They needed a solution, and it was urgent. And instead of even going to God first and going, hey, we're, we're really nervous, and God, we, we need your help, uh, help our unbelief and, and all that stuff that other biblical righteous people say in Scripture, even though they're doubting, they, they still go towards God. They don't do this. They come up with a plan. It's a good plan. works for other people. It's going to work for us. And so they go to Samuel and they say, Samuel, we want a king. Now, I don't know if they're going to Samuel because Samuel uh, was, was, was the go-between between God or whether he was just the leader. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't actually know if they're going to God and saying, God, give us a king. Or if really it was just like, well, Samuel's kind of leading us and the people really trust him. So we're just going to go to Samuel and ask for a king. No matter how it goes on, they think that they have a plan that is better than the almighty creator of the universe's plan. 
You know, the, the guy who created the world, and before he even created the world, he knew what was gonna happen at the end of it. This guy, now we know more, we got this. We got a plan. We know what Israel needs. Huh, sounds pretty ridiculous. The only problem is, doesn't it sound familiar? Has anybody else done that? You know, things are going well. You're cruising through life. And you tell God, uh, you know what, on this one, I got it. Don't worry, you got enough to deal with. I'll get my plan together. It's a good plan. I'll keep on trucking, you know. Even if there's obstacles in the way, it's a good plan. I'll keep going. I'll put a Band-Aid there. It'll, it'll do it. And then we become a little bit like practical atheists because God's there, but we just kind of put them on a shelf. Take them down when we need them, put them back up. Or when things really get bad, then we go, where are you, God? We didn't trust him from the beginning. Or maybe there, it's not a small problem. Maybe it's a big problem. Maybe that's where you are or you have been in the past where it needs your full attention and you do a little prayer and then you go and you, you develop a plan and it's a good plan and uh, you know, it's a disaster relief plan for your family, for yourself. And then when it doesn't work, say, where are you, God? Why didn't you bless that? And God says, I don't want to bless your plan. I want to bless you. Has anybody but me, has that happened to you? Either of those? We got to remember that band-aids only heal skin deep, but the healer restores everything. The little stuff we're trying to fix on our own, these keep the plan going to deal with life's big issues only has a surface level healing, but God knows the big picture. I found myself doing that when we bought our first home. We bought a home and I had a, a, a really aggressive plan to you know, pay down uh, some debt we had so that we didn't have to pay CMHC fees and you know, just, just keep paying the debt down. That's a huge debt and I don't want it on my plate so I'm just gonna push forward. And the problem was that I was actually killing myself working too hard at construction because in my mind, I could just put another Band-Aid on. I could just, I, I mean, I'm a renovation contractor. I own my own business. If I need more money, I'll just work harder. I'll just keep it on. I'm sure there's other self-employed workers here that, that know what I'm talking about. But what ended up happening is that I didn't spend enough time with my wife. And I kept missing opportunities where God could have worked in my life and in the lives of the people around me. And why? Because I had a plan. And I was gonna follow through with it. I was just kidding myself. It's because I didn't trust in God. 
that he would provide. And I just needed to take things into my own hands in this one. You know, does God care that I own my own house? Uh, Maybe. I mean, it's probably good stewardship of finances in our economic climate. But you know what he really cares about? Ultimately, God cares about that I love my family well. That I love the youth well. That I love God and follow him. That I love my neighbors and my friends well. That's what he cares about. And I'm being authentic with you because Jericho Ridge Community Church believes in authentic community. That we grow together. That we live life together. And so I hope this is, you're not just going, oh, well, uh, Mike's a pretty bad guy, I guess. Doesn't trust God very much. But I hope it brings up stuff in your mind instead some examples of maybe where you're not trusting in God. Band-aids. They're surface level. But the healer restores everything. Now, if we look at, let's go big picture again. Ultimately, we can put band-aid after band-aid after band-aid on a situation and we end up getting more and more sick and we end up heaping heavier and heavier loads on ourselves. Is this resonating with anybody? I mean, if we look at Israel's history, just to finish off this morning, Israel's history, they have some Davids and they have some Josiahs, but ultimately what happens? Israel is destroyed by the Babylonians. The band-aid after band-aid solution didn't cut it, and God knew that. He knew that we could never keep right relationship with him and each other. And whatever fixes or band-aids we tried, what we really needed was a savior, the ultimate healer. And a bunch of years later, God sent Jesus to remind us how to live and ultimately to become our permanent healer by taking our sins, by taking the junk in our life and healing it once and for all by dying on the cross and rising from the dead. And poof, all the junk in our lives, all the ways we fall short and all the burdens in our lives suddenly have a permanent solution, have permanent healing if we trust in him. I firmly believe that we cannot do this life on our own. But in my conversations uh, with, with non-Christians, I often hear this. So that's all right. That Christianity's a crutch. It's just a crutch, and I don't need that crutch. And some people get offended, but I say, absolutely, it's a crutch. I am injured. I am desperate for the saving blood of Jesus Christ in my life and for the Holy Spirit to come and work in my family, to work in my relationship with others, to heal me. Yes. Jesus is the crutch in our lives. We are dependent on him. To be free to be joy-filled. And it's not because I'm going to follow a bunch of commands in a book. 
but it's because Jesus did what he did. And I've accepted that. And I'm going to follow him. I'm a fallen person. I'll admit that. I'm not a good person. I continue to do stupid things out of my own selfishness. Just, just ask my wife. But I have a God. I have a God that took away all of that in one loving act. And he sent his spirit to dwell in my heart. And that's why I want to follow God. And that's why I want everyone here today in this room and everybody listening online to grow closer to God because I found freedom in him and everything else I could do on my own, all the Band-Aid fixes, all the quick fixes that I try to lead my own life well, it's just masking my longing for God. So I know God wants to do a work in our hearts. If you're missing something in your life, or if you've been doing it for a long time and you've gone on autopilot, there is a lot of hurt in this community and I know because I pray and we get prayer requests and that is a heavy burden to deal with on your own. Don't have to do that. Actually, God wants to walk through it with you. The healer wants to restore our souls and he wants us to give him control in the chaos. If you slipped on autopilot or if you're just trying to do it on your own, I beg of you right now, ask Jesus and he will come in the midst of whatever you are facing and he promises to restore your soul, to heal your heart and to restore purpose and meaning in your life as you learn to live and learn what living life to the full, John 10, 10, what that looks like. pray. Holy Spirit, we need you. Come and show us even how much we need you. Take us out of the chaos and heal and restore. You know us each by name and by situation. You know each of our hearts. And so, Come, we welcome you to heal. I invite the prayer partners to go to the sides there. There'll be prayer partners. uh, And they're waiting for you to come so that they can pray with you. They're actually waiting for you. So take them up on that. If you need someone to talk to about what a personal relationship with Jesus Christ looks like, someone to come alongside you, they would be happy 
to talk with you, to pray with you. I'd be happy to talk to you, Pastor Brad, Pastor Keith. Or if you just need to kneel where you're at and just spend some time with God to embrace his healing touch, take that time right now. Perry's gonna play in the background. Team's gonna lead us in a song, a song and, and then we'll close. But take as long as you need. 